I'm in the uh, cabin number eight at Cedars of Lebanon State Park in, Nash uh, in, in Tennessee, outside of Lebanon. And this is a special place. And I've got some special guys with me. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing good. good. Pretty Everybody good. doing well? Super. Yeah. Relaxed and well. I, I have got five youth ministers in here with me right now who are all in full-time youth ministry. Right, nobody's nobody got nobody got fired over the weekend, right? We know of. Huh? We're good. Uh, and I'm at a place called we call we call this renewal. And in a moment, we're going to talk about it. This so this is a renewal podcast. It's kind of like a panel discussion podcast, and I'm really really excited about it. Uh, th these guys are friends of mine. Uh, we get together once a year at this place, and one of the cool things is. Lipscomb University pays for this whole thing, huh? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's what I'm talking about. I love spending some of Lipscomb's money. Um, but seriously, I, I love the fact that we get to come together to this thing called Renewal and share our lives with one another. Uh, so let's introduce these guys, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what Renewal is. Let's begin here. Tell us your name. Tell us where you're in ministry and how many years you've been doing youth ministry. All right, my name is Kevin Hackett. I'm at Sylvan Hills in Sherwood, Arkansas, and I'm in my 11th year uh, in youth ministry. My name is Matt Harden. I'm the youth minister at the Riverwood Church in Nashville, over in East Nashville, and uh, I've been in youth ministry uh, for uh, about 14 and a half years. I'm Brian DeHerty at the Greenwood Park Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Been in ministry 10 years. I'm Aubrey Wood, and I've almost been in youth ministry for 10 years, and I am at Mayfair in Huntsville. Uh, Stephen Kirby from Franklin, Kentucky. Been at the same congregation for 17, starting my 17th year. All right. That's like 60 years, and did I count three states? Kentucky, Alabama, Alabama Tennessee, Tennessee, Arkansas. Arkansas, four states. Oh, that's great. I love it. And we're going to talk about youth ministry here. Uh, so we've, we've met you guys. Now, apologize to your wives and your kids. I probably am not going to ask you to tell us, you know, the names of every everyone in your family. Uh, you guys are happily married. You figured out how to stay in youth ministry, you know, long enough, um, which I'm excited about because one of my questions for you guys is going to be how, how have you done that? Um, but let's start with a lightning round blitzkrieg. Uh, and then we're going to get to get to this this panel podcast. So I'm going to start the chain reaction music, and we will go from there. And we're going to begin this one, Stephen, in honor of your favorite football team. I'm going to ask you what was the most exciting Super Bowl moment in your life as as a as a viewer. None of you have obviously played in the Super Bowl, but the most exciting moment in the Super Bowl that you can remember. Who, who wants to go first? I'll say uh, exciting and heartbreaking. Tennessee Titans two inches from victory was was pretty devastating. So close to, to amazingness, but didn't get there. That was in two thousand one, right? Yes. January, or January, late January, February two thousand. It was. All right. Who, who's next? Uh, I'll say I'm a Patriots fan, and uh, when uh, the Patriots Ooh, won, apologize. <laughs> when, when when Brady won his first Super Bowl, the uh, field goal at the end of the game to beat uh, St. Louis when they were the underdog. That was a great moment. The very next year, right? That was the very next year. We've got two two years in a row, I think. Correct. Maybe. All right, who's next? I'll go. I'm a Cowboys fan. Grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, so definitely. You're about to say Larry Brown? You're not about to say Larry Brown, no, are you? No. Okay, no. thank you. Thank you. All right. I, just... I guess the, the the 90s would be just the moment. <laughs> that's, that's not fair that's, because that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm a Cowboys fan myself, and I was going to say the 90s. Your favorite Super Bowl <laughs> moment is the 90s. Just the entire 90s. All right, that's great, Brian. All right, who, what else? Anytime, so, so, the, anytime the Steelers won, that's right. That's right. right. Yes. We got a high five for my fellow Steeler fan right. here, uh, Stephen Kirby. So I think, you know, I mean, my fa – my favorite moment has to be in the Super Bowl against Arizona Cardinals when Larry Fitzgerald scores the touchdown with two-ish minutes left. And I look at I look at uh, Johnny Markham, who is our buddy in youth ministry, actually lives and works down, down the road here in Lebanon, Tennessee. Uh, future Digital Side Hug podcast interviewee Johnny Markham, who's one of my heroes, been in youth ministry forever. Our groups were watching the Super Bowl together. And I looked at Johnny and I said, we're going to win this game. Like, this is going to be a historic drive. Ben is going to do it. We're going to win. And it happened, and it was so awesome. So, um, 
All right, well, we're gonna let's move forward. Your favorite superhero as a child? The Flash. Okay, Captain America was and always will be. Definitely the Hulk. I was a big Wolverine fan. Batman. And I was a Hulk guy. I also dressed up. You know, every single Halloween was 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 Hulk. I was a hobo one year, which isn't that far away from what he looked like. When so I may have Post even anger. used the same shorts that were you know jaggedly ripped at the thigh. Um, okay, so you guys are ministers, but you're also baseball fans, sports fans. You know how baseball when they will play the theme music when you come out to to bat. It's like the song you choose. All right, so if your church adopted a policy where they play your theme music when you come out to do the Lord's Supper thoughts, all right? So, so the, the loudspeakers are blaring your personal theme music. What would your personal, and don't go Bible class answer on me. I, I, you know, this is like your personal theme music. What would it be? Auburn's fight song. Okay. Harden would go with Auburn's fight song. No, mine's definitely back in black. By wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out. Let's do this. Let's back up. And I'm going to, let's give it, let's a pause so I can insert the music right here, okay? So Matt Harden, uh, Matt Harden's would be Auburn's fight song. Nice. Okay, that's Harden. And now, doing the communion thoughts this morning will be Kevin Hackett. And it's definitely Back in Black by ACDC. Oh <laughs> this may turn into a mistake on the podcast <laughs> if you're listening to this. We may not play very many seconds, of, but that was Kevin Hackett's theme music, our personal theme music for Brian DeHerty. Mine would have to be pretty fly for a white guy. He may not have a clue and he may not have style, but everything he lacks, well, he makes up in denial. So don't take... <laughs> okay, good. Aubrey Wood. I think I will be entering to Bicycle by Queen. I want to ride my bicycle. I did not see that coming. As a Queen fan, I may like you even more now, Aubrey. And also maybe slightly less sure of exactly who you are <laughs> as a result of that answer. All right, Stephen Kirby. I guess the one that uh, popped in my man, uh, Inner Sandman by Matai. <laughs> <laughs> Acapella version could be found, surely. <laughs> surely. Goodness. <laughs> Morris Gregoire has has is trying to publish a book called Asking Can Be Fun, and in that book he asks some great questions. One of them is this: Show and tell your scars. I've got one right here. My fingers. When I was, I guess I was about ten years old. There was one of those window fans, and I looked inside, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder what it would feel like just to let my fingers trickle across the fan blades." And it sucked my hand down in there. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it ripped all the skin. <laughs> My fingers. He's a youth minister, ladies and gentlemen. Great. <laughs> Shaping young minds. I have this one on my wrist, and uh, I was trying to sneak into my house. The, the curved one yeah, that looks like a half moon? Right there. I was trying to sneak into my house one night, and I could figure out, I could jiggle the window to get in, but my parents had locked it very, very tightly. And so I tried, pushed through the window, and oh, almost. What age were you? I was 15. So this was this was a you're breaking the rules sneaking yes, in kind of yes, story. Man, yeah. we just we just jumped into youth ministry. Love we it. All right? Anybody else? Yeah. No no scars. Scar free. You're scar free? Scar free. Aubrey, man. I broke some rules, but we're changing that later that. during the disc golf tournament that's happening <laughs> right after this. All right? Anybody else? Yeah, scars? I got one right here above my eyebrow. I don't know if you can see it there, but uh, it's an old kickball uh, scar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, um, so <laughs> I had just the kicked the ball and was running to first, and someone had just got out at second, and uh, we didn't see each other and smacked heads and okay. eight stitches right there. I've assumed for years that was a style thing, and he cut that into his eyebrow. I mean, yeah, well, you know, it worked for me. That's great. Kirby, any scars? Yeah, I got a couple. That's There's a good one, one little one. Well, just, just one, Stephen. Tell us the story. <laughs> uh, just one of my dogs jumped up and had sharp nails and... Just scraped it really pretty but deep. 
Okay, so that's the that the dog excitement, the dog love you scar. I I don't know if y'all have y'all ever seen. I've got a scar on my lip. Yeah. Can you see where it is? I I was playing football with a Nerf football in the hallway at the the uh, school where my dad taught, and there was this metal gate, and I hit it with my face trying to make a catch. Nice. So that's uh, thank you, Morris Gregwire, for for that for the fun of answering uh, that question. Show and tell your scars. Now, guys, my last question will be: There's a button in front of you. If you press the button, and this is ministry related, because I, I, we're all in this together. Um, if if there's a button in front of you, and if you push it, you get a twenty percent salary increase over what you currently make. So if you make $100,000 currently at your job, it goes up to $120,000. I'm getting some funny looks. A 20% increase in your salary goes, uh, is what you get if you press the button, but you also must wear a coat and tie, like a suit. You wear a business suit whenever you're doing your job. Everyone in Huntsville knows that I would never push that button. Okay, but hold on. You don't know what's coming next. If you don't press the button, you get a 20% salary decrease. <laughs> That's tough. So now you're making $80,000. <laughs> now, I'm going to let you off the hook for things like Trek, um, you know, when you're a beach retreat you know you don't have to wear the suit but but when you're in the office when you're leading classes there on uh, Sundays Wednesday nights you know yeah I'd do it no big deal 20, 20% increase alright you push the button I just can't do it man so part time job you're finding something on the side <laughs> I'm mowing yards or something this, this is just not gonna yes. happen alright I'm honestly not losing that much by uh, 20% decrease. So I'm just going with that. So you're not pressing the button, okay? The last time I wore a suit was for a wedding that I did. And before that, it's been probably 10 years since I've worn a suit. You know how much suits cost? Yeah. But just about the 20%. I'm I'm pressing the button if I get the choice of which suit. I can wear. Okay. So you're going to go, you're going to loophole. You're going to find yes, a loophole. Let me go with the Dumb and Dumber tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, I get to, if so, I'm pushing the button gladly. All right, good. All right, so let's transition. Now, renewal is what I, I said. We're here at something called renewal. What is renewal and why do you guys do it? Uh, renewal for me is, I, I describe it to my congregation as it's a youth retreat for only youth ministers. We invite no teenagers. And, and we grow together as brothers, we pray for each other, we, we laugh together a lot, we eat great food, and really it's, just, it's time to fellowship and hang out together. Good. And why, why, why do you make it a priority? Because you guys are, for the most part, here every year. Uh, it happens once a year, and Lipscomb does this for us. Why do you keep coming back, and what do you get out of it? It's good to get rejuvenated by your fellow brothers in Christ that go through the ups and downs, just like you do. Or, um, you know, it's good to, I mean... It's sad to say sometimes, but it's not because we need to time away from our families, our youth groups, our work, and this is the only time really you get to do it and be with others that kind of go through the same all the time. I come because it's just time to get away and relax after a busy, busy summer, and also because of the trust that's in this group as well, and because I like to laugh a lot and there's some funny dudes in this group. Yeah, I mean, same thing that these guys have, have shared. It's, it's, a, it's a place to kind of get away. It's a place to, to recharge. It's a place where you can vent if you need to vent. It's a place where you know you can be prayed over if you need to be prayed over. It's a place where you can be encouraged, where you can be strengthened um, and, and, and replenished after a summer where a lot of times you know we give everything. And so we, we need to be filled back up and, and I think this is a great place where we are able to do that for each other. Yeah, and I think a good place to be uh, to to feel real safe is important in everyone's life, and this is a safe place. And um, I really believe that uh, that everyone needs that, and so I, I use it as a as a place to to be able to come and and uh, let my batteries recharge in a real safe way. And we see each other in passing during the year at trips, and kind of get to say hi, but. 
it's the only time per year that we get to hang out without huge responsibilities on the side. So just to get to spend time together. And, and even to catch up with each other yeah. to find out how things are going. Because like, like you said, sometimes we pass each other and we're able to say hi, but we don't really get to find out how each other's really doing in ministry and, and how each other's really doing. Sometimes it doesn't even have anything to do with ministry. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's with family right. stuff, you know, and, and we get to find out and, and, and like I said, pray for each other, help each other, whatever whatever we need. Yeah, last night, you know, we there's always a chair in the middle of the room as we go around the circle. I mean, it probably took five hours four to four and a half hours for everybody in the room, maybe 20 of us, and maybe it's not even 20, to share kind of an update on our lives. And there's a chair in the middle that, you know, it's just pretty obvious who at times will need to just get in the chair and let us all lay hands and pray over. And last night, uh, one of us said, you know, hey, a few years ago, you guys prayed over me in this chair for something we were praying for at home, and God really blessed that, and we're needing some more prayers, and uh, and, and got up and sat down in the chair, and we prayed over that person. Um, it's really neat. A couple of the, um, I guess you could say that the, the agenda items would be just the sharing time on Monday nights, and then the disc golf tournament that we do on Tuesdays, which is a lot of fun, which is happening after this podcast, uh, after we've done recording. Um, and I love that Steve Davidson, who started this, uh, he's he's at Lipscomb as one of the, you know, he's on on staff there at Lipscomb. He's kind of like a father figure for us. And I love that for all the years I've been coming, he, he'll say, this is whatever you need. You know, you, there's no, there's no, like you said, no responsibilities on us. Um, it, it's, we just get to be together. Um, somewhere... You know, I, I don't. Of course, y'all know I don't. I don't know who listens to this podcast or where they are, but but it's designed for ministers. If there's a minister out there that's listening and doesn't have this, um, you know, and I'm not I'm not just talking about they don't have a a two day getaway at a state park to just relax and play disc golf, but doesn't have this kind of community to to approach for prayers or to lean on in difficult times. You know what? What do you say to that person, and and what what? How would you what would you encourage them to do about that? Well, I would say that uh, for that person, burnout is is a very good option for them. Uh, they, they it's going to be easy to. You mean good option in the sense of likely option? Yeah, likely option. Okay, not 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 a good thing. Obviously, right, right. it's it's going to happen. I mean, you you need a place to uh, to be authentic and to be real and to be able to talk about things that you can't talk about at church or maybe even at home uh, but but a good place to to be real um, to be accountable and you need a mentor if, if nothing else but especially if you can find someone who is um, in your area that you can that you can spend time with a couple of times a month you know to to just just talk through things I think it's really important I think it's important to also have somebody who knows what you're going through. I mean, you can have different people you can vent to or you can talk to, but unless they know what you're going through and what you're dealing with. Yeah. And so being able to have people who, who, who you can live in a community with who are experiencing the same things, dealing with the same things, you know, I, I, I think that's huge. I think that's an important and, and even important part of what this is and, and what it does for us. I know I stress to my teens the, the beauty of confession and talking to you know each other about their their difficulties and struggles I, I think it's it's so much needed for youth ministers as well I mean we we got to have that person or persons that we can share our difficulties with because there's a lot of there's a lot of difficulties and stresses that come with youth ministry so I don't think we can really survive without it yeah and it seems like every every year someone is in a valley and, and, and sometimes multiple t- people and and sometimes the valleys are bad and it's like personal hell and and or professional hell and having people like you said that not only tr- you know you can be open with but who also understand it's a really valuable thing what else do you guys do to stay uh, refreshed I mean this is one way how else do you keep yourself you know fresh in ministry or alive think uh you know these guys mentioned it so well as far as uh, the strengthening nature of these relationships but i also think creatively i spend a lot of time on the phone and in emails and with the same network of guys i'm trying to get new ideas things that can keep keep ideas fresh for my kids my teens and uh, try to keep me you know accountable to to creating new avenues for our kids to to seek god uh one of the things that i really pushed for whenever i moved to sylvan hills was um, getting two weekends a year that are on top of our vacation time. 
one in the spring, one in the fall, to just get away. It, it doesn't count against my uh, my vacation time, but it's a time for my family to get away and recharge our batteries a little bit, get our get our energy back up. That's great. I try my personal time in, in nature. I mean, I, I love to hunt. So, I mean, I try to get out, and I've come up with so many devotionals just seeing the sunset rise, mm-hmm. I mean, sunrise, and then the sunset go down mm-hmm. uh, from a tree stand, you know, or from my, my blind or whatever. And I might not see an animal that day, but just being out in nature, it kind of, that rejuvenates and gets you away from the office, so you have to find... Whatever your hobby is, whether it's frisbee golf or shooting hoops or whatever, going to the gym, whatever your hobby is, you've yeah. got to get away and take those personal times away from family, work, and everything else. We we all just came off of summer, and and that's and Lipscomb does two renewals. This is kind of the old guys' renewal. There's a younger ministers' renewal that gets together in April of, of dudes, and then they do a, a female uh, a renewal for the for the females that are doing youth ministry. I think that's in February. Um, and I like that ours is right after summer because mm-hmm. we've just, like you said, Matt, we've just given it all, um, and our families have given it all, and now we get to take a breath. Uh, what was something that you tried this summer in your youth ministry that went really well? Or or maybe what was something you tried this summer that fell on its face, and, and for us you might say, oh, here's something awesome, you ought to try it, or you know what, don't, don't try this, that was a mistake. Uh, one thing that went really well for us in Huntsville was we took an intergenerational mission trip, and we basically we offered it as a family mission trip, and we had several families where the kids, parents, and grandparents were all on the same mission trip together uh, in Baja, Mexico, and it was fantastic. The families loved it. The kids got to see their parents and grandparents in a new light, and seeing their friends enjoy their parents and grandparents probably put them in a put them back on their heels at first, but they really enjoyed those relationships and it just caused the whole family to grow closer together. So grandparents went on this yes, mission trip. We had that some, is I, awesome. I have pictures of grandfathers hula hooping with kids in Mexico. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> and this was Baja. Baja because we go to the same area. Same area. San wow, Mexico. that is cool. Um, mine was actually I, I kind of had one in the same. Um, we had a mission trip planned that that we were going to do, and it ended up kind of falling apart and kind of folding right before we were going to do it. Um, and to kind of make up for it, I just kind of on the spur of the moment said, "Okay, well, I want us to do something." And so I kind of pulled one of those mission trips where I said, hey, I don't know where we're going. I don't know how this is going to work out, but we're going to see. And uh, we ended up, I got on Priceline and I found a hotel at a cheap rate and we went to that town and I said, gave all the kids 20 bucks and said, okay, you need to spend this on somebody in the town. And so we ran around the town that day and we spent our money buying people lunches, that we found some workers outside. We bought, brought them water and, and all kind of things like that. And, and it was kind of neat to see how initially the kids were so intimidated to do something like that. But but it was like after those first couple times, you know, it just started rolling and, and they started coming up with all kinds of ideas of, of what we could do. And so that was kind of like one of those deals where something flopped, but something really good ended up coming out of it. And, and I, you know, God kind of worked through that situation. That's neat. We took a, our church bus and drove around Bowling Green one day, and we just kind of did some did some service things like I don't know, cleaned up uh, parks and and uh, put shopping carts, you know, at Walmart up. But then we drove around and, and tried to give people rides that were walking. Uh, it it was really interesting because not a lot of people. Not one ever wanted to jump into a van with strangers. <laughs> I mean, when you have teenagers jumping, hey, come in, get in. Like most people were scared. Um, so it's, it was a. It sounded like a great idea. It was, a, it was hard to pull off, or it didn't quite work. Like a you great thought. idea in my mind. Hey, nobody wants to walk. It's hot outside. Right. Nobody wanted to step foot on our bus. That's we got we we literally drove around for three hours and got one person to wow. give us to. To let them jump on the bus. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. One one of the things that we did, we've never done this before, is we did an in-town mission trip, and we spent every day blessing the people that we that we live around. Yeah. And we we worked with the food bank in Little Rock, and um, we also, something different every day. A yeah, different kind diff- of activity. Yeah, something different every day. Uh, we also worked with the Ronald McDonald House and, and a couple other ministries that are local to our church. Uh, we, per- we participate in what we were really trying to teach is that 
You don't have to go out of the country to do mission work. You don't even have to go to another state to do mission work. We have it here where we live. And we even did some really cool things. Like we stayed in our gym and so kind of gave – we didn't go home every night. We, we really gave it one of those community feels to where um, – you know, you didn't feel separated from each other. One of the big things you get from mission trips is just the camaraderie and the relationships. And so we tried our best to, to keep that going. But it was a really, really neat thing for our group. Awesome. My, one of mine is I, I'm a big proponent of making sure you take care of the missionaries that you support. Like our congregation's got so many. So we try to make it a goal to go somewhere every year. We, we do... Um, El Salvador, Latin American missions, we support that preacher and go see him. And then we have a little church up in Eastern Kentucky. And I had so many people sign up for it. And then I thought about canceling it, but I'm glad I didn't. I mean, I started out with like 20 people wanting to go. And then we ended up like with five kids and just me and another adult. Yeah. And we went anyway and made a huge difference. And I don't know if we'd have made that big of a difference with 20-something people. So it was better... For me, for us, with the smaller group that did the work that we had to do at that time. So, you know, I was kind of disappointed that I was taking a small group, but in the end, it was a major blessing. So that's one thing, too, is, you know, don't give up on something. And like Matt said, you know, you might have something fall through, but try something else. You know, don't – if you got a weak plan, try to keep doing something like that. So it'll be a blessing one way or the other. So give us a brief – like nightmare, I was an idiot. This was a huge goof sort of ministry story. You guys have some miles on you, you know, youth ministry wise. What, what, if, you know, what are some mistakes that you've made that we can learn from? Um, at camp every year, we have this uh, frisbee golf. I mean, not frisbee golf. Ultimate frisbee game that we play, and it's usually the senior high kids and counselors. And um, we do camp with another uh, a youth group. There's two youth groups that go together, and. Uh, we were playing, and me and the youth minister uh, for the other church were on different teams. And um, there was a play where I'm, I dove to catch one, and I believed I caught it, and he didn't think I did. And we started arguing, and that arguing turned got got heated and <laughs> turned into verbally abusing each other. And and finally, I I, let, I just said, "Fine, you can have it." And so for the rest of the game, all we did was. Uh, uh, go at each other and and um, I even ended up uh, um, and, and we started even being much more physical which you know we, we started treating it kind of like football with some of the kids going after the frisbee and stuff and uh, um, it, it is a legendary thing at our camp now that anytime it plays that's always something that comes back to mind and so what I've learned from that is that uh, it's important to walk away uh, yeah. to uh, not to uh, especially when the kids are around watching yeah. it because like I said that just kind of lives in infamy now and, and looking back on it now I, I feel pretty pretty stupid about it but you know like like I said it, it's one of those things where don't, don't let it get so competitive that you can't walk away from it you, you told me to let you know that it was not a catch so <laughs> yeah <laughs> how many how many years ago was this uh, probably about five years. Okay, yeah. So five years, it's still alive. Yes, the, the day that Matt Harden, you know, lost his cool yeah. and didn't look like a youth minister as he was Correct. shouting and yelling, and also, you know, uh, physically abusing younger students during the, <laughs> the rest of the game. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I took one kid out pretty good. Uh, All right, what else? I think. I mean, I, seriously, thank you because that, that's that's real. That's good. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Well, I don't. I don't want to be Debbie Downer, I guess, but. You know, I had a major thing happen maybe six years ago, six or seven years ago, and I entrusted a volunteer, and um, I entrusted him too much, and it came back to bite me, and and it really affected our youth group, and we had to kind of bounce back from that. And now I've got every time I get a volunteer, you know, I I look at them and. We try to figure, and now I've got somebody, a new guy that's moved into the community. He's really on fire and wants to help out, and he's been a speaker at a couple of things. But you know, I told him the other day, you know, I've I've got faith issues, so you know that's yeah. that's something that I have to work out with him, and he's understanding of that. So you know, <clears throat> I I lost trust one time, and it's hard to get back sometimes, and when you you get hurt by that. But I mean, I felt like I was an idiot that I put blinders on and didn't really look at the 
signs and things that I should have. So that's that's a scenario that nobody yeah. wants to go through, and you kind of have to watch out for it. And you, yeah. So the 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 lesson, you know, you you you're just more careful about trusting in the future. It's part of the reason, obviously, that we work really hard with. You know, to do things like background checks and make sure that the people that are working with our teens are who belong in there. Yeah, go ahead. I think I can stru- uh, speak for a strong percentage of youth ministers in saying that any time I've ever done a lock-in, just not great things happen. And yeah. I don't. It's not always dramatic. It's not always criminal. It's just nothing really good happens late at night and trying to to wrangle teens, keep them where they're supposed to be, because that's the time when the parents don't really want to volunteer and stay the entire night. Yeah. So okay. the, the ratios are always bad. Yep. Yep. It's a huge building. It's hard to regulate. You can't lock them into just one room. And uh, it's just, I never went home after a lock-in thinking, man, that was fun. Yeah. Like, that was just a good night. And uh, and so for me, I just I kind of retired those, at least within, within me. Yeah. Okay. We'll Anybody do overnight else? trips, but there's a bedtime. <laughs> I, I have one. When I worked in Georgia, uh, we... Every Super Bowl Sunday, we would get together for a party. And during the halftime show, mainly because I didn't want the teens watching it, we would go. And we we were up on a 200-foot hill, our church was. And so I guess I got the bright idea to ride the wheelchair down the hill. <laughs> I'll stick my hand in the fan. Um, and listen, so, some of the guys, we could ride it the entire way down mm-hmm. But then we put four people on the wheelchair at one time and ended up with three concussions, uh, and they were all girls. And the, the parents, they weren't happy. I, I don't know why, but they weren't. <laughs> right. I was confused at that. And then the second thing I, w- I would suggest to not do is sardines. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the classic, you know, the classic, everybody's the looking for yeah. the, yeah. yeah. Not the salted fish. Although you could say that not eating the, sardines is also a big, big mistake. I would yeah. agree with that. But, but the, yeah, the any, game, okay. Hide and seek. Any hide and go seek. Anything in the dark. Yeah. Games in the heart where you're, in the dark where you're encouraging them to hide in, in, in closed yes. spaces yes. together and make sure no one can find them. <laughs> Maybe leading us in a dangerous mm-hmm. direction. All right. Any, okay. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things, I, I tend to be very um, very controlling, and I, I feel like I'm right a lot, and so that tends to uh, come back and bite me a lot, especially uh, when it comes to uh, volunteers that I've got on trips, uh, when they come and make suggestions or whatever. I, I For a long time, I didn't validate a lot of that, and I think one of the things uh, that I would encourage that I've really learned from is... You know, even if you disagree as the leader, uh, listening is really important. And, and, and giving other people a voice, making them feel like what they say matters. Um, you know, sometimes you can even change what you are going to do um, just to make them feel like, like what they say and what they're trying to do matters. Uh, give them a place, not just a, you know, you mm-hmm. don't just need a warm body to... Uh, to come and, and be a sponsor, you need someone who's actually going to um, to help, and you need yeah. to let them help. And that's something that I I was not very good at for a long time. Um, let me ask you this: we, we intergenerational is a big deal. Everybody's trying to figure out how and to talk about how to use parents, how to use adults, how to how to expand the generational experience of our students. And Aubrey, you talked about it earlier with your mission mm-hmm. trip this summer. I would just say, you know, we've all needed adults to be the cook at retreat or to be the lifeguard at camp or to drive the bus on a mystery trip um you know have you found any creative ways to use adults uh, in your ministry that maybe you could share with us that would be a blessing well one one of the things i've actually got two one of the things uh, and this sounds really maybe mundane and, and why would you do that but um all of our couches in our teen center are um are covered and they've got removable covers, and they need to be washed every once in a while. And I every every year, twice a year, we have a we have a big meeting, and I just ask for a volunteer to to wash them. And I know that sounds really silly, but there are some people that aren't going to come on a trip, and they're not going to drive a bus. Right. But that's something they can do, and they can feel useful. And for me, um, something little like that is big. Something else that we do. Um, is uh, just a, it's called Monday Night Madness, and twice a month we just get the kids together and we just hang out. And recently, I've gotten some of the parents to come in and and offer a game, 
and it's their responsibility to come and and do this game, mm-hmm. and for them, it, it get, it's just something different yeah. uh, to get them involved, and and something that they feel like you know maybe they can do that's that's in their wheelhouse. Is it a different parent every Monday night? Yes. And is and, yes. and is it a husband wife combo, or it could be, or it could be anybody? Yeah, most of the time it's a husband wife combo, uh, but not always. And we we've got parents that yeah. are single parents, and we, you know they'll team up with somebody else. That's and cool. It's almost be, become. A game for them. A thing to do, yeah, yeah, like part of the system. Right. That's great. Yeah, you've generated some momentum for that use of adults. That's great. Right. I think, uh, you know, we've got huddle leaders and other, other, you know, small group leaders, deacons, deacons' wives, all sorts of different parents that are involved. But I noticed a trend last year. I had several different parents within a three or four week stretch that would show up for either a class or for an event. And they would kind of pull off to the side with me and say, hey, is it, I mean, is it, is it okay that I'm here? Like, should I not be here? And so I kind of pulled all our parents together and said, we want you involved. We want you here. Even if there are times when your kid asks you not to be there, we still ask you to be a presence and just pour into other kids' lives. Because we know that so many studies show that without strong relationships with adults that aren't just the youth minister and aren't your parents, the kids struggle. I mean, they're going to struggle anyway, but, but to struggle alongside adults that care about you makes the journey that much easier. So for us, it's more of a just show up, we'll find something for you to do, not just picking up trash, not just cooking or cleaning. But yeah. even if they're just participating in the games and activities alongside the teens, that still means a lot to them. Awesome. And I've even gotten to where um, on Sunday mornings I have a rotation of, of couples that teach my Sunday morning class. And the main reason I did that was exactly what Opry was saying, to get kids more exposure to other people and to let them build relationships with them. And so, you know, we, we do it by quarters. And so for a quarter I have a different uh, husband-wife combo team that teaches the, uh, the teen class. Good. Yeah, on Wednesday nights I invite the parents and some of the some of the kind of the I guess the young married couples to come down. We we have a time of worship and praise, probably about twenty minutes before they go to their class, and they just come and worship together, and they get you know they they mingle with the teens, and I I feel like that's very important. But. We're at about the point in the podcast now where I'm going to start landing the plane a little bit. Can we do a finish the sentence? deal here where I throw something out and you guys just finish the sentence and and maybe <laughs> maybe I'll want some explanation but maybe it's just standalone okay so uh, let's start with this I'm not sure I ever felt more creative in youth ministry than when I got kids hanging out in hammocks in the front yard at church and got them excited to bring their friends to hang out every Wednesday from three to six just kind of in the, in the front yard at Mayfair that's awesome. Do you call it enoing? Yeah, we call it uh, hanging out in Paradise Grove. Hanging out just in the Paradise front yard Grove. of the church. We'll, we'll have you know sometimes 20, 30 kids just hanging out till church. Even kids that sometimes can't stay for church or their friends won't stay, they'll come and hang out and do their homework, spend time together. I'm not sure I ever felt more creative in youth ministry than when... I'll say when the teens painted up their faces uh, like Braveheart and played this uh, capture the flag game with socks filled with flour, uh, but I kind of incorporated fireworks into this game as well. So yeah, awesome. the question wasn't, I never felt like I would get fired. <laughs> All right, no, they, yeah, I had approval. Nice. My lowest point in youth ministry was probably... The first time, well, it's only happened a couple different times, but when I had a parent come to me and basically blame blame me for their kid not wanting to be at church and not wanting to be involved and basically say it's it's your fault that my kid doesn't have a relationship with Christ. And I still remember the first time that ever happened to me. It it crushed me mm-hmm. because it was a kid that I felt like I'd shown a lot of special attention to and I'd, I'd spend, tried to spend time with and do things with this kid that I'd never done with any other kids. And uh, the first time that happened, it, it hurt. And it made me even question, is, is this something I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, it was difficult mm-hmm. to deal with. I mean, I mean, everybody says the bad times, and when you go through the ups and downs and bad times, but it feels like feels like I've had so many. Um, um, good friend of mine, Todd, he can he can t- you know I wasn't in youth ministry too long and had kids com- commit suicide, and then I've had the parent that or the volunteer that's had that prop. I- I've been through so many ups and downs, so those are the low times, and I remember. 
I started out single, so this is for any single guys that listen. To, you know, one low times, and I didn't believe uh, Todd when he talked. He said that's probably going to be one of the worst years of your ministry is when you get married, because the kids mm-hmm. might rebel against that a little bit. And it was it was a rough year. Not only for the first year of marriage is always rough anyway with your wife, learning somebody new, and yeah. all stuff, but then bringing kids into the picture too, that was a really a struggle. And uh, for any single guys, you know, don't. Don't expect it's going to be all happy go look. It, it will change. I think youth ministers in general. I know I am a people pleaser by nature, and I think if I, if we get ninety nine pats on the back, but there's one person that's displeased, a lot of times we try to cater to that one person, and it's hard not to be down on yourself and really upset at uh, the same thing Matt was talking about a minute ago with you know being blamed for things, whatever else, and just taking that one small maybe side opinion and letting that run how you do your ministry in the short term. That's you can wreck yourself pretty quick that way. I think for me is a couple of times I've had my integrity questioned uh, and you know I work hard to be a good honest person and uh, you know if something goes wrong someone questions your integrity and man it just makes me feel terrible about myself about my ministry about life and so that's, that's hard to recover from I think so let's finish this next sentence then when ministry got really tough and, and I was questioning, you know, like you said, I was questioning the calling or is this what I'm supposed to be doing? When things were tough, how'd you get through? For me, it was my wife um, because she just kind of helped confirm who I was and what I was doing and, and the fact that I had love for that kid and uh, I wasn't in, by any stretch of my imagination trying to push him away. And uh, that that was at least reaffirming reaffirming for me um you know to have her recognize what was going on and, and come yeah. and, and lift me back up how'd you get through those times when your integrity was quick? yeah uh, a lot of it was uh renewal mm-hmm. uh that what we're doing right now and uh recognizing my need for mentors because i am the guy that feels like i do a lot of things right and i want to try to you know continue to seek out the advice of people that are older than me and wiser than me and so just kind of getting other voices in my head yeah how'd you get through your your toughest periods family prayer i always had a good i've had good and bad elders but always the good elders would all you know they stepped up and would pray with me and 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 that was just a blessing to have and and like I said, I mentioned the youth minister buddies that would call me and support me and stuff like that. So it's always good having a friend. So like that. Finish this sentence. One way I have found to balance ministry and family is? Family night. Every Tuesday in the Woodhouse, we uh, spend time with just the boys, me and the wife, and trying to, to be able to reconnect. It's hard during the school week and other times where we're all going different directions in the summer, even, even more so. So I think that's something we hold sacred every week during the school year is, is every Tuesday we know we're not making plans with no ball practice, no yeah. no school stuff, and no uh, no youth ministry activities, and it's it's great. We love it. We we kind of do a similar thing. We do uh, date nights with the kids, where one of us d- during the month, either me and my wife will take one of the kids, and I'll take one of the kids, and we'll kind of go out and do a date night with just them. And then beyond that, even I've tried to do a better job of incorporating intergenerational stuff into what we do and and instead of just doing youth stuff doing you know larger stuff where where my whole family can come and, and be a part of that and we invite other families to come and be a part of of whatever we've got going on too i would say we we take lots of trips together my wife and i uh, we love to travel we love to see new things um so we make that a priority okay good anybody else balance family members i would say uh what i've heard and what works for me is just real clear boundaries setting boundaries and, and letting the people around you know what the boundaries are uh let your kids your teenagers know this is off limits at this point and this is my time mm-hmm. and, and i think that that's good for them to see um, I also talk a lot about whenever I'm taking my wife out on a date, I, I let my kids know that I date my wife. And I think yeah. that that's it's really special for them to see that relationship forming and building and continuing to grow. I try to uh, do a better job. I, I'm the scheduler, and, and my wife tries to schedule, but she's not as organized as I am. But I try the month before I make out the youth calendar if I'm going to do something different. I make it sure it doesn't interfere with our family calendar. 
So we sit yeah. down and I, I make sure, you know, do we have anything going on this weekend with your family that I might not know of or can I schedule this youth event, so on and so forth. So we try to balance out the church calendar and the family calendar and make sure we're talking because sometimes I didn't do that. And yeah. I, I'd have a youth event and my wife would be like, well, I guess I'm going with this family event by myself. Yeah. So, you know, it, we, we com- communication. Very communication. I'll never forget when Bob Chisholm, who was my the preacher uh, that I that I worked with in Memphis in 1995, he pulled me aside and he said, "Hey, I notice you're calling your your Monday your day off." He, he said, "Let me make a suggestion. You know, why don't you sit down with the the church secretary and encourage her to refer to it as your family day, and why don't you sit down with the the volunteers in your youth ministry?" And let them know Monday's your family day. And why don't you communicate to your wife? It's not your day off. It's your family day. And uh, and and I didn't know at the time, or maybe I, maybe he mentioned it later, but that a mentor in his life had done the same thing for him when he had started in ministry and redefining, actually changing the nomenclature from day off to family day. This is before we had kids, and so it was. In fact, Becky had a job at the time, so so Becky was working during the day. And, and so there was something about it was almost a little, you know, kind of counterintuitive. But years later, I can see how just naming, you know, changing that name, what we called that day from day off to family day, communicated something to the body that I think, you know, was really cool. And I appreciate you guys answering that. All right, let's finish this then. Uh, two more. If, you could, if I could share one piece of advice with a new youth minister, it would be, don't go into the elders meeting thinking you know everything. <laughs> That's good. I yeah. Mean, seriously, I mean, everybody asks me, well, how have you been? It's my home congregation. I love my church. But I have worked for so many elders, and um, our, our, it's been kind of changed. But I know of so many guys, they're like, well, I'm only there six months. I'm ready to move. Well, I'm like, what are you trying to do? And they're not communicating with the elders, or yeah. they're wanting to push an agenda that – that maybe the elders aren't comfortable with you. Yeah. So you have to take your time. Well, I would say set appropriate boundaries. I think uh, I think it is so easy in today's culture to be burned just by the appearance of misappropriation or just trying to make sure and set appropriate boundaries with, with even when you're counseling and teens that are going through such heavy issues as so many of our families are torn and broken, of just trying to make sure and and set up your office and the way you even counsel for success. Good. Be above reproach in a yep. lot of ways, yeah. Is that that's your answer? Be be above reproach. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. I would say don't try to do everything yourself, but set up like people that that you can count on to help you. It uh, it's just set up a, a leadership team. Set up a good yeah. core of volunteers. I would say my my biggest piece of advice would say find a, a someone who can mentor you. Mm-hmm. Uh, find someone that you look up to that you can. Uh, go to someone that that you can rely on to give you advice you need and and uh, and and use them often. I, I think that's one of the biggest things because even playing off what Kirby said, it's too easy to think you know it all or yeah. you've got it all figured out or you can do it all yourself. And so I think having yeah. having someone that can mentor you is is huge. And going to them and asking them if they will do that. Yeah, being intentional about yeah. the mentoring request. Yeah, I, I need someone. Yeah. And, and when, Kirby, when you said that about don't go in the elders meeting thinking you know it all, my, my, my immediate thought was about this question was exactly the same, but with parents. And I, I remember thinking, these parents don't get it. And, <laughs> and now 19 years later, I've got a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old and a 9-year-old in my home. And, I, and I'm, I look back and I think, man, I just wish I had believed in parents more. I wish I had believed in it. They know their student better than I do. You know, first time early, you know, young youth ministers, parents know their kids better than you do, their teens. Um, and they and they love and want their teens to succeed and live life for God, you know, and to find his life for them more than you do, which is really important to think because we really want that for our students. We love our students as youth ministers. That, you know, it's a calling. We wouldn't be doing it otherwise. But, but with rare exceptions, you know, parents know and love uh and and i would have tapped into them more okay last question before we before we get to the hugging uh i want who who do you want to hear on this podcast next if you were dreaming you know 
I say go go interview that person or I want to hear this person talk about you know how they made it in youth ministry or or talk about the Bible or what they want to see happen in the world what would it be and it doesn't have to be you know it, it, this is anything goes uh, the person I would want to hear on the digital side hug next is Robert Oglesby Jr. Okay, yeah. Robert Oglesby Jr. Yeah. at ACU. Yep, the uh, professor of, of of youth ministry that's been doing this forever. Okay, good. Mine would be uh, N.T. Wright. Okay, uh, that would that would be. And what would you want to hear N.T. Wright say to youth ministers? Well, I mean, and that's that's the one thing I think I would want to know what he would say okay, got to it. youth ministers yeah. because you know I, I I love reading his stuff. Yeah, but I've never and I mean it's all great stuff, but I would want to know what he would say too. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Like you know, Robert Oglesby, I immediately kind of think this guy's trained youth ministers his whole life. I kind of know what I would ask him, but I'm you know, N.T. Wright's one of those you think that's cool because I wonder what he would say yeah. to youth ministers or what he thinks of us. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's a better question. <laughs> I'd probably say John Acuff. Oh yeah, a hilarious guy. So. Okay, yeah, John Acuff, he's awesome, and I see him walking his daughters to school every day. He's he, our daughters go to the same school, uh, so awesome. Anybody? <laughs> he made me think somebody y'all, y'all might laugh, but he, uh, John Micah brought us to a seminar one time, and it was was F. Lagarde Smith. Yeah, oh, I love Flagard. He's the best. And uh, his Flagard, uh, yes, Flagard. <laughs> so it was his book. What? Which book was that? It was way Did back. The Bible. Uh, well, no, no was, you're, uh, you're talking about when he said youth ministers yeah, we are a problem. Yeah, our problem. We Churches should. shouldn't have youth ministries. Yeah, and that that was big. What was that? I can't. Uh, was it radical? It wasn't radical. It was back in the nineties. Yeah, and he was, was one of the he was one of the early ones in our fellowship to say. And basically, we left Northside, and he was like, "Y'all just need to go back and quit." And we was like, "They're wow. going just hire somebody else." And he's like, "Well, they need to quit too." So it, it was fun, but I've heard he's changed his position a little bit. So. He showed up for a Bible study for me in Chattanooga after we read through the Daily Bible uh-huh. and talked with our kids for an hour about youth ministry. It was awesome. Yeah. Really? Yes, it was cool. Okay, was cool. so you think Eflagard Smith think would be, be interested to be on this or, or willing to yes. speak to youth ministry? He will speak slowly to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the guy, you know, this is the meeting God in quiet places, right? I mean, he's a, this is, you could imagine him kind of strolling through the, the meadows in Scotland or England. <laughs> Tombstone in Arizona. <laughs> and I'm excited about that. And so you didn't, F. Lagarde, you're good with that one? Like oh, piggybacking yeah. on that? Yeah, that one. All right. So I, th- I guess, I guess that's it. All we got to do now is um, maybe pr- press the, the, the bumper music and then do some hugging. Uh, guys, thank you so much for for doing this. Thank you. Hey, thanks Appreciate for it very much. Yep. Um, we are going to go right now and play some uh, disc golf. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Who's, who, great. Who, who's going to win this disc golf tournament? I'm feeling lucky today. It's gonna, are you? Gonna now you're good. Who is? I, hey, who who's Aubrey partnered with? Do you know yet, Todd? I think I've got Todd Lloyd. It's going to happen. Todd and Aubrey. <laughs> that would be a formidable uh, Whoever team. Whoever goes with the furthest. I'm going with Jesse. I'm putting Jesse. 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 He's the fun one. Yes. Jesse's the fun one. And he's going to, I think, win it. Uh, we're going to hug each other. It will not Digital be Digital side hard. hug listeners, we love you. Get hugs. Get in here. Get in here. Oh, yes. Mm.